Section 11 of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Frederick J. Tabor Frost. Section 11. Via the lead and after. Part 2 at this moment there came racing across the plaza a perfectly lovely little laddie bare-legged and bare-headed with the scantiest of cotton vests and black cotton knickerbockers on el secretario introduced the little fellow as his son cipriano su servidor cipriano at your service and told us he was ten we had a bottle of acid drops with us and diving in our saddle-bags we in a moment won cipriano's heart and cemented our budding friendship with the family by filling his pretty little hand full of the sweets by this time a baby sister had arrived and we found it impossible longer to resist the pressing hospitalities of the jefe we were anxious too to taste the national drink which has the alias of anise and is made from crushed sugar-cane and aniseed so we temporarily threw our teetotal principles to the four winds or at least to where the most desirable elements successfully hid themselves for there was not a breath of air and walked over to the store once there large glasses of the clear white liquid were poured out and our hosts enchanted at the excuse for more tippling began drinking our healths in such lavish style as was ominous of the great difficulty we should have in getting away from their bibulous friendliness without the risk of a quarrel we had just sipped at our glasses which was all we ever intended to do when fortune came to our aid looking across the plaza we saw a stray village horse biting our stallion's neck with a hurried word of excuse we rushed out of the shop our hosts shouting to us to return after we had righted things but we never did and the somnolent effects of the last bumpers of anise they had drunk were so complete that we were left to eat our lunch in peace by the time we had finished it was the siesta hour and the village had crept into its hammocks as we rode past the store we caught a glimpse of our friend the jefe stretched full length fast asleep on his own counter from pokbok it was some three leagues all distances in yucatan are measured by the league which is not the well-conducted league of europe but like the french verbs irregular to the verge of impropriety to kalotmul on a road which seemed redder and hotter than ever kalotmul is a town run to seed a ruinous unwieldy place with a plaza of mangy grass as big as trafalgar square a long stuccoed arcaded building in one corner of which served as the jefetura where loitered some of contrarios brothers in arms big as these decayed spanish indian villages are there is never any attempt at an inn 
the very rare travellers by the roads being local yucatecans who are sure of having one or more kinsmen in each village so knowing no one and having been sated with yucatecan interiors at vile Villadolid, we pushed on through the town preferring the freedom of our woodland hotel our obstinacy much alarmed contrario he knew that tizimin the town to which we were steering and which was to serve as the base for serious exploration was fourteen miles further on and he thought we intended to try and reach it that night but he became easier in his mind when we unhooked from the saddle our tripod boiler which had throughout the journey served as a pail for fetching drinking water and sent him back to the well by the time he had overtaken us we had selected a camping ground about half a mile from the village the horses were feeding quietly by the roadside the baggage had been carried into the woods and our hammocks slung we always made the practice of one of us seeing the horses properly watered while the other stayed in camp as soon as contrario rejoined us it was time for watering order and one of us started out on cyclops while contrario led the other horses tied together we had given him the kettle and one of the water bottles to carry the well was reached safely the horses watered and some corn bought at the local store but on return to camp contrario was only carrying the kettle he had already annoyed us by the slow pace at which he had kept the horses going and by loitering to talk with some of the national guard we were tired and not in the best of tempers and somewhat testily demanded to know where the water bottle was he gabbled away in spanish some sentences we did not understand but did not attempt to produce it we thought he had left it at the well and tried to say so ordering him to return for it he entirely misunderstood and believed we were accusing him of stealing it the fellow was a fool but he was genuinely honest and the most we were accusing him of was carelessness but he would not be pacified and wringing his hands and in a snivelling whine repeating again and again yo soy no robo i am no robber he gathered up his traps and regardless of pay was about to leave when suddenly by the firelight one of us detected the water bottle lying hidden in the shadow of a boulder where he had set it down and forgotten it before going down to the well we were really sorry to have hurt his feelings and he saw it and with almost childish pleasure accepted our apologies it was like a thunderstorm it cleared the air and as after our frugal meal of black beans boiled eggs tortillas and cadbury's cocoa we sat round the fire smoking we became quite chummy with the soldier lad who delighted at the rehabilitation of his character talked nineteen to the dozen till hammock time when we cemented our new-found friendship by giving him one of our blankets to aid his own flimsy mexican wrap in keeping him warm during the cold night the next day in sunlight which was positively grilling 
we completed our journey to tizimin it was siesta time when we rode into the plaza under the shadow of the gaunt walls of the hideous ruined monastery the town was quiet almost like a city of the dead the shops were closed and at the long grated window spaces sun blinds were drawn the grass had invaded the streets the whole place looked like a rip van winkle city which had got badly left in the race of civic life stretched in the thick dust a mangy dog or two lay panting here and there under the shadow of a wall dozed an indian crouched on his haunches we rode up to the hefetura and there from a yawning soldier we learnt that the jefe was taking his morning tub so we had some minutes to wait before we could expect an official welcome meanwhile we had time to glance round us the plaza was of much the same size as valladolid in front of the palacio municipal where the becottoned national guard were drowsing in the veranda shade was an avenue of orange trees loaded with fruit on the other side of the square stood another of those huge stuccoed churches we had become so accustomed to seeing the seventeenth-century spaniards in yucatan certainly had no taste in building nothing could be more distressing than these great piles of stucco flat-faced as any hottentot their bigot builders certainly preferred quantity to quality even when new these ecclesiastical eyesores must have always been such but now with plaster peeling off with tufts of rank weeds growing from gaps in the walls surrounded by a courtyard half cobble half leprous grass the enclosing walls tumbling in ruin the church gate sagging on its broken rusty hinges or perchance replaced by a hurdle they admirably typify the bedraggled down-at-heel ceremonial which masquerades throughout yucatan as religion by this time our arrival had attracted representatives of the tiziminians in the shape of three of the fattest boys we had ever seen outside a show they were pretty fellows too about thirteen years old but they would have been a good deal prettier if they had possessed less adipose tissue their tight holland knickers seemed on the point of giving up the task of enclosing the luxuriant opulence of what one might politely call their southern facades while their bare brown legs were so ludicrously plump and rounded that they looked as if they had been blown up with a bicycle pump the boys gazed at us and we gazed at the boys it was hard to say which of the two sets of gazers was most astonished but by this time a shuffling among the troops heralded the approach of the jefe coming like a giant refreshed from his bath he was a great contrast to the epicene bird-like creature who had lorded it over the civic fortunes of valladolid a grand old man of good height swarthy skinned with a snow-white full patriarchal beard reaching nearly to his waist he greeted us with true spanish courtesy with a hospitable wave of his hand inviting us within the cool stone room where above the row of rocking chairs hung a life-sized colored print of the great diaz 
it was a most humiliating moment dusty dirty sweaty covered with garrapatas with many days growth of beard we were grieved indeed that this should be the snowy-haired dawn's first sight of england we indicated as best we could that this was not the normal condition of englishmen and that we should be more than grateful if he would allow us to wash first and talk afterwards but he insisted upon hearing our plans and when we told him of our intention of going through the country to the eastward his face bore a look of alarm he declared the country muy peligroso very dangerous that the indians were hostile to the whites that even for the contents of a water bottle travellers were killed as in fact had actually happened to two yucaticans but a few weeks before we were too much in need of a wash to be much depressed by his pessimism and were glad when he made a move to find us lodgings this we found without much difficulty a young yucatecan being fetched and offering us a house for four dollars the week it was only a few yards away nothing really but two or three lofty whitewashed barns and sweet stone-floored the walls decorated with hammock pegs but the great advantage was that it possessed a small paddock rankly overgrown with shrubs and grass which would serve us an excellent corral for our horses a well too there was and before the genial jefe had bade us adios we had a rubber bath out and were preparing for a glorious wash we were now in what is known as the cantonil district and in touch with the northeastern branch of the independent mayans for tizimin is the last outpost of yucatecan authority even the indians living within the town are a very different breed from the haciendado ridden ones of the yucatan which lay behind us and this is perhaps the best place to give some idea of the physical appearance of the mayan indians generally the whole race throughout the peninsula is still singularly homogeneous though it is in the cantonil and eastern coast district where crossings with the whites or even intertribally are unknown that the purest types are found the mayan is stoutly built and muscular but seldom tall his color is a rich dark reddish brown a beautiful tint remarkably distinct from that of the american indian race in general his hair is invariably raven black lank and coarse his eyes are black or black brown usually small and somewhat cunning looking straight set as a rule but occasionally with a suspicion of obliquity the nose is well formed straight or slightly aquiline and at times somewhat semitically heavy at the tip but scarcely ever pyramidal in the pure mayans the noses of the women one would almost declare their best feature the hair of the women worn gathered in a knot at the back of the head is often luxuriantly long but men are fairly closely cropped of baldness we never saw a trace though gray indians of both sexes are fairly common both sexes have a mongolian lack of body hair legs arms and chests being rarely hirsute 
the teeth are always good and add to the charm of the sweet smile which at the least provocation comes to rob the faces of both sexes of the rather sullen expression characteristic of them many of the children are extraordinarily pretty and young girls of twelve at which age they usually marry are often fascinating pictures of youthful bloom quite statuesque in their grace their exquisitely developed figures showing through the clinging folds of their one chemise-like linen garment mayan women age rapidly but between puberty about ten and their twenty-fifth year they are remarkable for matronly health and strength and their graceful courage they incline to flesh and before forty are often unwieldy to a degree which is really ludicrous such too too solid flesh scarcely harmonizing with the severely scanty lines of the weepil this the universal dress of all indian women throughout yucatan is really nothing but a sheet folded double and sewn down the sides and a half moon cut out of the middle of the fold through this the head goes and round this yoke runs back and front a flowered border stamped colored cotton among the poorer elaborately hand embroidered among the richer women the hem of the garment which reaches rather more than halfway down the calf is also often ornamented with embroidery this shift or chemise for it is little else is sleeveless and the only attempt at underclothes is a plain cotton petticoat but many women and most young girls do not wear this in some of the wilder districts we visited the girls are stark naked till puberty while the old women and many of the young matrons wear nothing but a short cotton kilt from waist to knee round her neck the indian woman wears a chain though this habit is less common among the independent mayans than among the indians of merida and the northwest district oftenest of gilt or glass beads with some small gold coin gugo charm or crucifix attached large gold earrings too are much worn round her shoulders she throws when out of doors a wrap of cotton or silk brought up over the head and then allowed to hang down over the other shoulder these wraps which serve a practical purpose in protecting from the sun are most picturesque in merida as we have said you see all colors but the dark indigo or rich copper brown are the most common in the country districts almost without exception the women go barefoot and their feet though small have from long shoelessness become broad the mayan man dresses in loose white cotton trousers which he usually wears turned up to the knees and a loose fitting shirt of white cotton tucked in at the belt as often as not the shirt is discarded while at work or in the bush and the trousers give place to the maxtli a broad loin-cloth a pudding basin-shaped straw hat home-plated and sandals made of a single thickness of tanned hide cut to the shape of the foot with a piece of cord coming up between the first and second toe passing over the instep and through a string loop on either side of the heel and then twisted round the ankle complete his outfit every indian wears belted round him in a leather sheath 
the machete the native weapon universal throughout central america it is a sword-like knife the blade about thirty inches long and two broad with a plain hand grip of bone or wood about four inches long these are fearsome looking weapons even when as is usually the case the blade is straight but they are positively blood-curling when they are as one sees them sometimes scimitar-shaped or ending with an ugly hook like the finish of an english bill-hook the mayans are a singularly healthy people and free of skin complaints and those other blood diseases which so often affect native races in a low state of civilization but they are not constitutionally strong and die off like flies when exposed to an epidemic though so thoroughly a tropical people they are cold-blooded with sluggish circulations if one is to judge by the coldness of their hands which even in the children are froggy in their chilliness they are a clean race and the mayan laborer on coming in from his work would not dream of squatting before his frugal evening meal of tortillas and beans till he has had a hot bath this he takes in a large shallow wooden trough exactly like a butcher's tray magnified four times in this one end resting on the ground the other raised on a low log of wood the mayan squats and sponges the water over himself with a bunch of henequin or other fibre in this tray too the babies are bathed and the family washing is done it is always washing day with the mayan women and the hot gardens are always a flutter with billowy white weepils the mayans are a singularly modest people and sharing their huts we were again and again astonished at the decency which triumphed over the fact that a large family of all ages shared the same sleeping room and slung their hammocks from the same beams with tizimin as our base we explored the cantonil district the roads marked even on the official maps in mexico city no longer exist probably never existed overgrown and rendered impassable by luxuriant vegetation such as there are have become mere trails which even the indians can only use in single file thirty miles to the eastward of tizimin begins the region of unbroken primeval forest the road which starts a good width dwindles down into a mere path by which the indians from chancenote and cantonil come into tizimin to buy powder or shot or a new gun growing their own maize raising cattle pigs and poultry spinning and weaving their clothing braiding their hats and netting their hammocks arms salt and luxuries such as women's finery or spirits are all they need to buy they come into tizimin not in crowds but one or two at a time so as not to create suspicion and meet their friends outside with their purchases of these indians some five thousand are said to still exist in this northeastern corner of the peninsula but the mexican authorities after butchery as ruthless as it has been fruitless have been forced to retreat and there is thus no way of obtaining accurate statistics the jefe politico of merida himself told us we quote it as a proof that the indians have triumphed thereabouts 
that his family property near cantonil had not been of any profit for years and was never likely to be again as the mayans denied his agents access to it it was at izimin that we first realized the positively amazing ignorance of the yucatecan as to his own country or even his own district no definite information as to the road we should take or whether indeed we could reach the coast at all was available as it proved this was impossible between cantunil and the sea stretch miles of uninhabitable swamp which is impassable for horse mule or man except possibly in places at the end of the driest of dry seasons when we were there an average of three feet of water covered the coast lands a change of plan was thus essential and we had to go first more directly north and then take an eastward course meanwhile we employed some days in exploring the northeasterly district the road to chancenote shows signs of the struggle which has ended at any rate for the present in the triumph of the indians here and there the gaunt walls of ruined haciendas half hidden by luxuriant tropic weed stand as silent witnesses to the cowardly retreat of the yucatecan landlords a cruel war of extermination has laid its desolating hand on all around and the hungry forest has swallowed up again milpas cornfields and fruit gardens the indians themselves we found friendly enough if treated fairly and kindly the children would watch us solemnly from the hut doors and the boys and men followed us at a respectful distance in our wanderings through the woodlands in search of buried cities we found little save littered stones but our excursion satisfied us that no chichens exist in this part of yucatan chancenote itself once a flourishing indian town is now a group of mud-plastered huts with possibly three dozen inhabitants cantonil is a larger settlement strictly indian now as it always has been the government vested in an indian chief here the mayans live pretty much as did their ancestors four centuries back cultivating their milpas rearing their farm stock nominally catholics but really without religion save a jumbled mass of superstition in which christian saints and pagan gods are after the long lapse of years inextricably mixed due north of tizimin the country is still for the most part in the hands of the yucatecans but the cultivation of it is handicapped by a dearth of labor for here the indians do not submit to the conditions of serfdom existing in so-called civilized yucatan but will only work for fair wage and often not long for that kikil some miles from tizimin on the north is a struggling settlement of such working indians once the site of a large indian town before the spaniards built tizimin here there were said to be extensive ruins but we were disappointed as usual nothing is more disheartening than the glee the idiotic yucatecans send one on wild goose chases after ruins which prove to be hideous catholic churches of the late seventeenth or early eighteenth centuries 
the indians too are untrustworthy guides in such matters for they have a perfect indifference to the architectural skill of their ancestors and speak of their productions as slap packs old walls christmas week is a grand time for tizimin for it heralds in the great local fiesta of the year a feast which lasts from christmas day till the new year though synchronous with our yuletide it is not in celebration of that but in honour of the local patron saint the great feature of this gala are the bullfights it is really doing them too much honour though to give them this dignified name for they are really nothing less than a series of cowardly baitings of young bullocks ichabod ichabod the glory of the bullring had departed from yucatan we shall have more to say of this decadent torturing of domesticated animals in a later chapter but the people see blood and in this respect the indians are as bad as the mongrel usurpers of their country and crowds flock in from the settlements for miles round they bring with them their wives their children and packs of dogs the babies astride their mother's hips the bigger children clinging to her weepil while the men bend under huge loads of basket baggage slung on their backs but the whole dead weight of which is on the man's forehead the broad-plated string of the basket passing just above his eyes this is the queer way that all the mayan indians carry loads and as you pass them they look up at you from under the strings their uneasy attitude giving their eyes a quite unfair appearance of sneaky shiftiness this fiesta week then we had the local life of tizimin at its brightest the plaza turns itself into a fair with rows of tiny wooden boots whereat cheap gewgaws and tasteless finery in cottons and tinsels necklaces of beads and the inevitable rosaries hung with cheap gilt crosses bankrupts the indian wife while her lord fuddles himself with liquid poisons at the drinking shops foodstuffs leap up to famine prices the skinny fowl which would have cost you a dollar two shillings booms to three eager crowds surround the butcher's stalls where from dawn are trays none too clean piled up with blood-boltered lumps of meat they never cut their beef in joints in yucatan calculated to rob an average tomcat of his appetite trays of unspeakably sticky sweets reek in the sun surrounded by eager-faced children strung like onions hundreds of tortillas hung festooned on strings round the shops as if some huge type of yellow mushroom had been utilized for decoration hour after hour gallop into the dusty plaza caballeros from the local plantations fine young dandies these who fancy themselves intent on conquests among some of those black-eyed girls who stare from the shaded doorways as they clatter past the three-mule wagon too huge-wheeled shaded with green canvas rolls its lumbering way into the town bringing some family from espita or valladolid and the tired mules released from their rope and leather trappings look about for the dustiest spot in the plaza and roll and roll and roll backwards and forwards in an ecstasy of freedom 
to presently regain their feet shake themselves like a dog from the water and look about for the much desired drink the people come in to enjoy themselves and perhaps they do but there seems little or no real gaiety in the crowd the drunken indian is at best a maudlin creature often quarrelsome and never merry and boisterous and his women and children are the most silent of beings while over the whole scene hangs the mephitic atmosphere engendered by that mischievous superstition mainstay of a sickeningly hypocritical ecclesiasticism that web of priest cunning which catholicism has woven spider-like round the race she has enmeshed and degraded and so you see the poor bewildered stumbling indian drunkard wasting his last few centavos on a dirty melting tallow deep which with many genuflections he places before a plaster saint andrew or saint peter yes the church is there and makes high holiday it is the padre's great harvesting later we will describe an amusing corner made in candles by the tizimin curer of souls and hour after hour the yucatecan sacristan climbs to the belfry to summon the faithful but the indian faithful are made the wise padres know the more faithful by a little liquor and so outside the church doors are little drinking shops and the devils of superstition and drink hand in hand work their evil will on the weltering crowd all the burning day the people sit huddled in the dust of the plaza and when the chill black night settles down the light streams from the gaping doorways of the church where the whining sing-song of the priest and the treble voices of the boy choristers make one long inharmonious chant punctuated with the metallic ring of cymbals while beneath the ink-black shade of the church walls the indian families squat shivering in their blankets around small fires our final preparations for the journey to the coast took some days and the fiesta was in full swing before we were ready to leave owing to the swamps we thought it well to cut our baggage down to vanishing point having thus almost attained that consummation devoutly to be wished by all good travellers the toothbrush and blanket state we rode out from tizimin late in december contrario had gone back to valladolid and we had hired an indian boy our route lay for nine miles over a fair road to sucopo thence a narrower path led to zonotake whence after eighteen miles through the jungle we reached the old indian settlement of oxe here we made a day or two's stay at the hacienda and discovered a series of sepulchral mounds each crowned with the ruins of a building below one mound we found hidden by the tangled thorn bushes what appeared to be the mouth of a cave it was little more than two feet wide and looked uninviting but hoping it would prove a passage to the centre of the mound and first taking the precautionary measure of throwing in a stone to disturb any snake which might be sheltering we wriggled in it was only a cave of fair size at the back a mass of limestone had lately fallen 
blocking up any passageway if indeed any existed in mayan burial mounds the corpse was nearly always deposited in a well sunk from the top and often extraordinarily deep between oxe and the sea lay forty miles of forest as we approached the coast the land became low and boggy till the whole country seemed a swampy wood the animals were often floundering up to their bellies in water and black mud in places a stretch of water looking like a river formed the path ahead of us when night came and the moon rose the forest seemed a piece of water fairyland the mule track we followed lay between woodland so thick that it seemed like an ebon wall on either side save where the moon glinting through the overgrowth speckled the path with silver light a great silence reigned broken only by the cry of some night bird or the whispering rustle of the palm leaves here and there the trees parted a little as we reached some clearing where the moon was reflected in the pools and struck upon the sapota trees making them with their smooth gray barks look like granite pillars now and again the animals waded through shallow swamps around which a thousand fireflies flitted and from the edges of which white ibises splashed and fluttered up a ghostly flock at our approach on reaching the coast a kindly welcome was accorded us at el cuyo a tiny port by the cuban superintendent of a wood-cutting company which has its headquarters there end of section eleven recording by shena ser fresno california